This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs on Sports Radio 810 WHB. What I've done is help athletes be the best they can be. We work on giving you that winning edge, that mental edge that will help you realize your potential. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for over 30 years as a sports psychologist. This is the first time I've ever listened to it. I'm on my way to church, and I said, i got to pull over and talk. Right now is your chance to call Dr. Jacobs for free help with any sports-related problem. It's a wonderful form, and I, I must be a radio for me every time I, I'm in the camp city. And this show is about you. It's about having fun, working hard, building self-confidence, having the right attitude, being a good teammate, being a good parent, and being a good coach. Now, here's the sports psychologist, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Good morning, everyone. I am sports psychologist, Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and welcome to our show here in Sports Radio 810 WHB. And as you know, I'm here every Sunday morning from 7 to 8 a.m., and we talk about mindsets on this show, about attitudes, about sportsmanship, about the world of youth sports, the world of professional sports, and we delve into issues related to to you as an athlete, as a coach, as a parent. I've been fortunate enough to have been here at Sports Radio 810 WHB for the last 16 years. As you know, I've been on the radio in Kansas City now for 26 years, about as long as anybody in the city. I have been in practice as a sports psychologist since 1981, 36 years working with athletes, coaches, trainers, parents. And I like to work with people to help them get better. That's what this show is about. It's helping you give you some insight, give you some guidance to your kids, to your sport, to your team about how you can make it the best experience you can make it. And today we're going to have a great show because, well, of course, all my shows are great, but uh, today's even better because I've got two gentlemen, I guess I can call them gentlemen, um, in the studio with me whom I've known since 1984. And they are Doug Wiesner and Craig Kloss. You probably know their names if you're in the world of sports. I met them back in the 80s when I started working with the Kansas City Comets as the physical therapist and athletic trainers for the Comets. Two of the, the best people I've ever known in the world of sports in this city. And I'm not saying that because they're sitting across the table from me. I'm saying it because I mean it. They, they know what they're doing. They do a great job. Um, Doug is the program director in youth sports medicine of the Sports Medicine and Performance Center at the University of Kansas here in town. And Craig has been a physical therapist since 1845, I think. And um, he's been around forever. He is the currently the, the trainer for Rockhurst High School. He ran sports rehab uh, forever here in town. I've n- known both of them, as I said, since the 80s. They do a tremendous job of working with athletes. They understand what it's about. And they're here today to talk with me and talk with you and take your questions. So we're going to discuss youth sports today specifically because, as you know, one of my concerns, as I talk about on this show every week, is that we are pushing kids into younger and younger ages of organized sports participation in leagues, in competitions. I love sports, I, and I, I want to preface everything by saying this. I love sports. I think it's it's the greatest way to learn about who you are because you have to physically, mentally, and emotionally exert yourself. You have challenges in sports about success and failure, winning and losing, team building, communication, developing a positive attitude, losing or developing a better level of self-confidence. You learn about how to get mentally prepared. You learn how to deal with adversity, not just 
mentally but physically as well. So it combines both mediums. And the performing arts are the same thing. I mean, we're talking about sports, but it could be ballet, it could be music, it could be dancing. It doesn't matter. It's all the same. If you're a ballerina or a baseball player, you still have to deal with the same things. If you're a musician, it's the same type of thing. And one of the things that I've talked about on this show for a while that I have a real concern with is that we're putting kids in younger and younger ages in organized sports leagues. About a month ago, we had a caller on this show whose daughter is four years old and in a competitive t-ball league team playing with boys five and six. Now, I'm sorry. I just think that's wrong. Okay? I don't think four-year-old girls should be in a, quote, competitive t-ball league. Should they, can they be playing t-ball? Sure they can. Can they be having fun with it? Yeah. But in a competitive league, no. That's my perspective. I know some of you may tell me what I'm full of, but I, I feel that way very strongly. And so what happens now is that we're getting kids specializing in sports at younger and younger ages. They're playing that one sport year-round at age six. They're playing baseball year-round. They're playing basketball year-round. They're playing softball year-round. They can't play other sports because they're going to fall behind the other kids, quote-unquote physically and mentally. I've had a young man in my office a few weeks ago with his parents. He's eight. He's on a competitive soccer team. He's not mature enough to play on that team based on the way his parents described him. And then when he came in my office, he was crying and hitting his mom because he didn't want to talk, proving that he wasn't mature enough to play on the team. And then when he started talking, he started telling me he hated playing on the team because the other kids pick on him and he wanted to play on a team with players that weren't so good. But his dad didn't quite get it because he wanted to play in a more competitive team because he said, it'll make him better. I said, well, maybe it'll make him better physically, but mentally and emotionally you're hurting him and you're causing damage right now because he doesn't want to play on that team. So after a couple weeks now they've been in and the father said, you know, I, I, Dr. Jacobs, you're right. He's playing on the, on the lesser talented team and he's having more fun. And you're right about the maturity level. I can see it. I said, look, when he gets mature enough, it's great to, to play in a more competitive team, but you've got to look at both sides. It's not just the physical skills, it's the mental skills as well. All right, Doug and Craig, you guys, we've known each other forever. I've worked with you for, for years. What are your opinions? And, and, and let's, Doug, we'll start with you then, Craig, and introduce yourselves to our, to our audience a little bit more than I just said, because we could go on with the introductions for the whole show, at least for Craig, right, Doug? Anyway. Correct. Let's let's talk about youth sports right now from where your perspectives are and what you think. Start, Doug, let's start with you. Well, first of all, Andy, thanks for having us on this morning. Um, I am the uh, program director for youth sports medicine at the University of Kansas Health System. As a Mizzou guy, when you introduced me from the University of Kansas, kind of sent a little chill up my bones do there. We, do we need to talk after the show about that? Yeah, we probably do need to talk about my problems there. But, <laughs> well, and, uh, and your biggest problem. My biggest is that problem. today is your anniversary, and yes. you're sitting here with me this morning, yes. and Craig, not your wife. Well, and and thank you for leading into that, and if she's listening, happy anniversary to my sweetie of 29 years today. So I'm sure we're going to do some fun stuff today. But anyway, back to your question. Um, yeah, I, I would have to agree with almost everything you just said there. Um, kids today are being specialized and therefore their bodies are being run in certain motions, patterns, directions over and over at the age of six, uh, eight. Uh, I remember when I was back uh, working with Craig at Sports Rehab, I had a young 
uh, baseball player come in who had had Tommy John surgery at the age of 10. Why? Um, why, Doug? Why do we? Why is a 10-year-old having Tommy John surgery? Well, um, because of the competition. Um, folks are out there wanting their kids to be the next um, superstar. They want them to be, I, I guess, uh, in today's uh, um, um, superstars, you'd say the next Eric Hosmer, um, the next great Chiefs player, the next great MU football player, the next great KU basketball player. Gotcha. You, you know. got the balance in there. And a, yeah, and I got a, the and balance great, and in there. And a great K-State football and, player. There yes, and my daughter is a K-State person, so the next great K-State athlete. And so um, and, and they're being led down the wrong road in that um, you have to do one sport and only one sport. I had the honor of listening to um, the Kansas City Royals coaches and medical staff uh, about a month or so ago. And to a man, they all said, we look for athletes, well-rounded athletes. We're not looking for the person that's just doing baseball. So um, the stigma out there is that they can only do one sport. And you surprised me when you said you had somebody the age of four playing competitive t-ball. I didn't know they had that at that age. Um, But um, you do see this where kids are being specialized or pushed into one sport and only one sport and the trauma the the demands on a growing body um, of doing the same repetitive movement patterns whether it's soccer volleyball basketball baseball whatever starts to build up over time and all of a sudden we start seeing injuries we start seeing tommy john surgeries in 10 year olds now is that the course for all 10 year olds no this was kind of out of out of the ordinary, but once they describe what they were doing and how much they were throwing with this young boy um, at the age of ten throughout a, a year's time, you could see it happen. And so, what did you tell the parents, and did they get it? Well, did they understand that that? And I'm assuming. The young man wanted to play and wanted to pitch because the parents were pushing him to do it initially. And then, of course, it's fun, but then it gets to a point where you shouldn't be playing one sport year-round at that age, right? Right. You should be playing multiple sports year-round. Because if you just do – let me ask you this question. You guys are the trainers and therapists. If you just do one sport year-round, you're doing repetitive motion with your body. You're right. not giving yourself a chance to really grow and develop other muscles, you're spe- and you're going to wear, th- wear it out, right? You're going to wear it out, and you're going to be less of an athlete because you never get out of those movement patterns. You're de- you're developing the same movement patterns over and over again. And let's say you're a baseball pitcher, and you're just going toward home plate, and you're going toward home plate. What happens when you have to run to first base? All of a sudden, they don't know how to do that. But if you play a little bit of soccer, you play a little bit of basketball, you play a little bit of baseball year-round, all of a sudden you're integrating different movement patterns in your activity levels. And then when you are forced to do something outside of just a, uh, a delivery to home plate, your body is able to adjust to that and, and make the correct movements. When I was uh, the University of Kansas sports psychologist, and I was their first sports psychologist from 1981 to 1985, got a chance to spend a year with Larry Brown, Needless to say, a very interesting year. And mm-hmm. Larry said something, though, that is st- 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 it stayed with me forever. One, d- one day I remember I was sitting in his office. We talked for, gosh, almost an hour that day. And he said, Andy, you know, I think kids should play a team sport and an individual sport. 
because in a team sport you learn about sharing you learn about communication and an individual sport teach you conf teaches you confidence and i'll tell you what he was darn right craig Kloss, my friend thank you for getting up this morning it's nice to see your smiling face as always <laughs> tell us now just give everybody a little bit of a synopsis of what you're doing now and then i want you to talk about your feeling about you know youth sports right wow and you're still talking we're still talking we, are. we still have knowledge to share that's good okay so craig claus physical therapist certified athletic trainer been practicing 39 years uh god bless me as one of the owners uh at sports rehab for 37 years and three months it was time to move on looking for other opportunities so now my focus is um I'm the athletic trainer for Rockhurst High School varsity soccer only, and I am a NFL concussion spotter going into my seventh year. I believe I'm the longest-standing concussion spotter um, there. Tell tell our audience what that means. Well, uh, seven-plus years ago, um, Colt McCoy with the Browns was um, hit on a play, and the NFL had been thinking of this concept Long story short is he was hit on the play, fractured his, I believe his pinky, uh, or dislocated. You can reduce that on the sidelines and tape it. And um, then um, he got back in the game, and he um, threw a pass to the left, and the entire play went to the right, and he came out and he was fully concussed. So the NFL decided that they needed – a certified athletic trainer uh, up high, eye in the sky to help the team physicians and athletic trainers in the NFL. Uh, those two positions, there can't be two better people that know concussions. You know, here in Kansas City, we're very blessed with Dr. Mike Monaco, uh, Dr. Chris Barnhouse, and Rick Burkholter. And so that's how that developed, and it has risen um, significantly through the years, and Glad to say that Doug Wiesner's joining the team this year. An indication is now the NFL will have two spotters for each game um, and two technicians doing the video. We're on an eight-second delay, um, just like the re referee has a um, radio, uh, TV uh, monitor, so do we. And then I'll be doing concussion spotting for the Big 12. Most of the major conferences are doing it now. But explain what explain what you mean by concussion spotting, so people can understand that. Well, here's the best example: was um, I was up in the booth and I I failed to uh, remember his name right now, but it was a backup quarterback for the Chiefs. He went down on a um, play that he had to get out of the pocket and rush, and he went down and I, I observed him, and he his helmet hit the ground and his neck went backwards, but he got back up. And then on the next play, unfortunately, the offensive line wasn't doing a good job, and he got rushed out of the pocket again. This time he hit his head on the ground. Well, the team physician, the team trainer can't see that because there's so many people standing around where he was tackled. And I was able to observe it, and I called down to Rick Burkholter and said, hey, Rick, this uh, player you know, got hit twice. One time his neck hyperextended. Bottom line is he ends up having a concussion. He's out three and a half weeks. So th that's the best example I can give you. Okay. Concussions are obviously, <coughs> excuse me, an issue in, in, in youth sport in, at all levels of sport now. And we're, we saw an article last week about a, a study, not a controlled study, but a study, where 110 out of 111 players' brains that were examined had CT. And so 
There were also college TE. The issue has been widely opened the eyes of a lot of people about football. I love football. I've been going to the Chiefs games since the first game they ever played. I went to the first Super Bowl, and I ran into Eric Berry last year down on the plaza after they beat the Raiders in Oakland. I introduced myself to him, and I have a picture of me at Super Bowl One in my phone, and I said, sir, you don't know me. Uh, I'd like to just congratulate on the game yesterday and on just you coming back from cancer and what you've done. I'd like to show you a picture. And he looks at me, he goes, I said, that was me at Super Bowl One. I. I said, would you please go back again? And he got the biggest smile. He said, sir, I'd love to go back. Really nice guy. Okay, let's face it, he hits as hard as anybody. Should kids be playing football? Let's just, let's just, you guys are the experts. You deal with concussions, you deal with youth sports injuries. You run the center at KU Health Systems for youth sports yeah. injuries. Should kids be playing football? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. It's a great sport. Um, what we do now with concussions is so much better than what we did <clears throat> 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. I go back to my high school reunions and tell my high school uh, football players, hey, I'm sorry for you know the, the, the brain damage you may have because back 40 years ago when I graduated from high school, a little bit longer than that, unfortunately, uh, when I graduated from high school, we were doing everything wrong. You know, we weren't doing the right things for the health and well-being of our kids. But the mentality and the thought back then was a lot different than it is today. I went to Shawnee Mission North, graduated in 72. We won state in football all three years I was there. I think we only lost – I know we lost one game. We may have only lost two the whole time I was there. Mm-hmm. One of my good friends, Bob Swift, who I've known since sixth grade when he moved in my neighborhood, went on to be KU's field goal kicker. Used to, he was the backup quarterback, the starting safety, the starting running back, the punter, and the kicker. He used to spear, spear tackle. When, you know, After one game, he did that. The next day, he's at our house, my house, playing basketball with my friends. Said his neck was bothering him. My dad came home from um, uh, KU. He used to do work there on Saturdays as a physician. And Bob went up to my dad and said, you know, Dr. Jenkins, my neck's bothering me. My dad examined him right there and said, we're calling your father. You need to go get checked out right now. The next day, his head was in a halo. I mean, he's lucky he didn't he didn't get paralyzed from the neck down. I mean, back then, that's how you played. The, the safety issues have changed. The helmets have changed. But the still, te- the technique for tackling have changed. We're changing the way we're running the sport or or the safety of the sport. But but excuse me. But here's the problem, Doug. You still have all these parents out there, and you know and. You know, people talk about it a lot in Texas, but because it does happen down there. I've seen interviews with people from down there. Not that that's the only place. Parents are getting their kids involved, 8, 9, 10 years of age, playing tackle football and telling them to go out there and level that kid. Okay, so are we having a problem with playing tackle football at young ages? So no more so than... Other sports, Andy. Okay. Um, I'm not saying it. No, no, no. I no, just want to no. get what you, your opinion you, on this. You know, um, my daughter, when she was four or five years of age, we put her in her first soccer league. And, um, um, you know, the, it, it was a parent helping out on the field type of thing. And uh, all my players from the Comets would say, you've got no skill. But they thought that for some reason or another, because I worked for the Comets, I had some type of soccer skills, which I don't. And so I was out on the field, and we had a particularly good young player that had some skills, and she was doing wonderful things with the ball. And the next thing I hear was that 
apparent out on the field for the opposing team say you need to take her out so football yeah sure it happens in football soccer yeah it happens in soccer i'm sure that if there's there's a parent out there for every sport that has that mentality that's part of the problem that's part of what we're trying to change is how do we make not just football safe, but how do we make soccer safer? I mean, you know, the coaches, the people that are running these um, leagues, they want to make it safer also. Um, The state of Kansas has rules for their middle school and high school sports activities. Club environments really don't have any rules. I talk to a lot of my soccer players that are still um, um, coaching in club environments, and it's just not soccer, or it's just not... um, concussion it's all sports it's heat related it's lightning it's weather related you know are there rules and regulations for these kids because yes it is concussion is the big thing because of the movie and will smith but there are other topics to talk about so craig let me ask you this question you you and i have known each other as we we said forever and you know when i started working with the comets it was it was an adjustment for you guys because like who is this guy he's coming in what's he gonna do I know you were like I remember you you were like why is he here <laughs> but I think we you, were all that way well yeah <laughs> but but I think you know especially when we went to Las Vegas and I did my visualization exercise with everybody in the in the uh, locker room in and the locker room lay yeah. down on the floor on the, the dirty floor right yeah. right yeah. but then they're like they all got up and I, and Peter Barilich who played from Yugoslavia came up and says this is a good thing I like this. Okay, and he was been playing forever. But <laughs> let me ask this question, Craig. You you have worked as well as Doug with with athletes forever here, youth sports athletes, treating them, rehabbing them. Do we not spend enough time on educating parents on injuries and not just the coaches, but parents as well, and especially on the damage psychologically that a lot of these kids are suffering by forcing them to play at a competitive level at such a young age. Well, I really echo Doug's comments, and, you know, for the listeners, um, Doug Wiesner, with being at the University of Kansas now, I think five years, Doug? Health system. Yes. Health systems. Five years. Five years. Um, he has really uh, improved the knowledge of many coaches uh, from the youth sports level because he's taken on a task to improve his knowledge, and he gives presentations, and I think they're just outstanding, so... I want to tell the listeners that there's someone you want to come talk to, uh, Doug Weiser's the man about youth sports and really beyond that. But the answer to your questions, is, I'm talking about as far as athletic training, physical therapy, of course, Dr. Jacobs from the psychological um, standpoint. Um, but, you know, this whole thing of, of youth sports and, and where they're pushing them, I really believe that the education process has grown leaps and bounds with the Internet with uh, parents becoming more educated. I mean, you'd have to be in a cave not to gather information about injuries to youth sports, uh, concussions, psychological profiles, et cetera. You know, people will disagree. Uh, There's there's a lady who's, uh, I forget her name, she's a neurosurgeon, uh, and she's she's looked at the brains of a lot of NFL players. And they interviewed her on Frontline, which is, of course, a PBS... um, television station and she made an interesting comment this was her and she said i would not allow my child to play a contact football sport till age 14 and that's gained some momentum as a result of her statement so 
but I don't necessarily agree with that at all. I, I think that there's enough resources and parents can, you know, come to a Dr. Jacobs, hear a Doug Wiesner. Uh, there's athletic trainers all over these middle schools, high schools now, which there wasn't. You know, sports rehab at one time was covering 16 high schools, and Doug Wiesner was in charge of all that. So now there's a, a trainer just about every high school. So I think, you know, there's just better education, better resources. Okay. We're going to go to a commercial break here in a moment, and then we're going to come back in the second half of the show. We're going to open up our phone lines and want to get calls in here from parents, want to get calls in here from coaches. If you have a question about a sports injury, if you're worried about overuse, if you're worried about are you pushing. As a coach, do you sometimes worry, and I'm sure some of you do, that you're pushing your kids too hard? Okay, there are there are some coaches that do worry about it. Doug shaking his head. We'll talk about that. There might be parents out there who think the coaches are pushing their kids too hard. Want you to give us a call. Our number is nine one three three eight ten eight ten. If you you your child has a an injury, you're worried about overuse injuries. You're worried about should they specialize in this sport year round? Here are the two guys to talk to about it. I mean, I've talked to about to you about this forever about the psychological component. Here's the physical part. Our number is 913-3810810. We're going to open up our phone lines now. Let's get some calls in here. Let's see what you have to say. If you if you are a coach and you're worried about maybe overuse with an athlete, and there are coaches out there who do question, should I push this kid? When a, when a young man or, or young lady comes up to you and says, you know, I'm hurting, I'm sore, I don't want to pitch, I don't want to throw, I don't want to play, do you just ignore them or push them out there to play? Or are you worried about, well, you know, maybe they're right. Do you think maybe they're weak psychologically because they're a little bit sore and you push them? Or are you going to challenge them? There's, that's a big area to look at, too, because we talk about this whole toughness issue, especially in Johnson County, which is an issue the three of us have dealt with forever. I get parents and coaches who come in talking about toughness, mental toughness, physical toughness, and that everybody's always giving excuses. There's this entitlement issue out here oh well you know we get whatever we want we don't have to push them that hard i have i know and you guys both know a lot of the european coaches who come over here have always told me you know kids here don't know what it's like to be tough right haven't you heard that sure absolutely yeah so we've got that whole issue so how hard do you push somebody to the point to where it's healthy or unhealthy all right our number is 913-3810-810 I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Joining me this morning are Doug Wiesner and Craig Kloss, two of the experts in sports medicine here in the Kansas City area. So give us a call and let's talk. We're in the leader in sports, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Good morning, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. As you know, I'm here every Sunday from 7 8 a.m. And joining me live in studio this morning are Craig Kloss and Doug Wiesner, two young men I've known forever. Actually, well, Craig's older than me. But anyway, the, despite the fact he's still young, we've known each other for over 30 years. They're athletic trainer, physical therapist in the world of sports. That they, they understand sports injuries, and that's why they're here today. And we're talking about sports injuries specifically with youth sports and we're opening up our phone lines now 
We've been talking about our opinions on things here, and now we want to get some calls in here. We have one one caller online named Sean who we'll get to in a moment. Our number is 913-3810-810. If you are a parent and you are concerned about your son or daughter playing one sport year-round, do you think they shouldn't or should be doing that? We'd like to hear from you. If you're a coach and you're concerned about overuse injuries, you're concerned about specific types of injuries your athletes may be having, here are the two guys to talk to about it because they're the experts. Our number is 913-3810-810. If you're an athlete, you don't have to be a youth sports athlete. You can just be any, any age, and you're concerned about an injury you may be experiencing, about coming back from injuries, about things like that, give us a call. 913-3810-810 is the number. Let's see what Sean has to say. Sean, good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning. Just fine. How are you guys? Uh, the problem I'm having is, is I have a 12-year-old son. He's not in a, it's a, a little league thing. It's not a competitive select team. My son's 6'1", 200 pounds. Wow. He's being bullied by the opposing parents constantly. It's almost like he doesn't want to play uh, because they'll sit there. How many times did that kid fail? You know, all this stuff. They mentally abuse him just because he's bigger and he hits home runs. Actually, I've heard other parents tell their son that's pitching, bean him, hit him with the ball. You know, another coach that we play every time walks him every time he comes up to the plate, and it's just mentally affecting him. Should I be putting him on a select team? Well, let's start with a couple things. What level is he playing at? Uh, it's 12-year-old. It's just Little League, you know, just where they get kids from the local area. Right here outside of Kansas City. So is it a rec league? Um, it's a rec league team. It's a you know a neighborhood team. So you know there's no tryouts. There's nothing like that. Okay, so let me ask basically, you this: they just drew names out of a hat, basically, and here's your 13 guys. Here's your 13 guys. Right. Okay. Is there any discussion about sportsmanship? Does that ever come up? As far as when when I mean, when the season started, let me ask this question, Sean, because I talk about this all the time on this show. There should I don't care what level it is or what what team it is. There should be a preseason meeting where the coach talks about his or her expectations for the team, talks about the goals for the team, talks about the importance of having fun, talks about the importance of why they're playing, and talks about how to deal with adversity. This is an adversity type of situation, and this is the type of stuff where number one, okay. The umpires need to take charge, and they need to start to set some parameters. And if this type of stuff keeps going on, I think that's where you have to decide, are we going to play or not play? You know, does the team walk? If you have parents who are being verbally abusive on another team towards your kids, okay, you've got to ask the question, should we even keep playing? Doug, what, what do you want to say? Well, I mean, it sounds to me like they're being physically abusive, too. They want to, they wanna, you know, they're making this a, a major league thing. Let's back him off the plate. Let's let's throw inside let's hit him with a pitch and maybe not get him so confident i th i think that it, you know as a parent and, and my daughter played competitive softball um as a parent i, I think the first question i asked my son is or, or daughter is are you having fun doing this and because putting them on a competitive league is a whole different set of challenges for him and if he doesn't want to do that you know if he wants that challenge and yeah let let him say yeah, I want that challenge, but maybe he doesn't want that challenge. Maybe he just likes playing where he's at. Well, I mean, I guess the bottom line, Sean, is what's your son say about this, and how does he feel? 
Well, he has great time. It's very upsetting for him at times when uh, you got uh, just this happened a couple weeks ago. A mother was coming up. Where's that kid's birth certificate? How many times did he fail? You know, blah blah blah, and she's cussing and everything else at a twelve-year-old kid. Well, that's where that that is where the umpires, quite frankly, and the league officials need to step in and set yeah, the umpires are about yeah. sixteen, seventeen. Yeah, they're sixteen, seventeen-year-old. Okay, kids. okay, I, I know that. I get that, but you know what? If you're umpire, and I'd love to hear from some ump, I'd like to hear from some, some officials or umpires right now who are listening. But you know what? I don't care if they're 16, 14, or 28, or 40. They're the umpire. They need to take charge of the situation. And when you have a verbally abusive parent in the stands at a, at a youth sports rec league game, the game needs to be stopped. The umpire needs to go over to the coach of that team and tell the coach that parent needs to be silenced or they're going to be removed. Okay? And that and, and you need to talk with your coach about it. Look. Your son's six foot one. You said and he's twelve. He's yeah, a big boy, two hundred pounds. Okay. Well, unfortunately, you're going to have parents ask for his birth certificate. So if I'm you, I just bring it along and say, "Hey, son, look, you're lucky." Yeah. We do when we go to tournaments or anything. Yeah. Well, you're just going to have to. I know when my son Jonathan played on Jeff Montgomery's competitive team, we played, and he Jonathan is now six foot one. But when he was twelve, he was a he was the shortest kid on the team. I remember we played a team. Uh, outside of the Kansas City area, and their their first baseman was six foot two and had a mustache, and he was twelve. Okay, and the parents had a birth certificate and said we bring it all the time. So you're going to have to deal with that, Sean. But the fact is, that's just something you've got to talk to your son about. He's bigger, and the other kids will catch up with him. But you need to talk with your coach, and this stuff really ticks me off when I hear this. You need to talk with your coach and tell your coach that that he needs to talk to the officials of the league and the umpires, and they need to take charge. Because you know what? If not, this is where self confidence gets destroyed. And I don't care if your son's six foot one or he's four foot five. Okay, this is life. We've got a bunch of wacko people in our society out there who do a bunch of crazy things. We all know that. That's what's happening. It's his confidence and you know just self esteem is being destroyed by. I'll say it. Overweight ladies in the stands whose other kid can't play. Well, it, it, let's not get into to attacking people because then know, you're low. You're, oh, I know, but you're lowering yourself to that same level by doing yeah, that. I know, and I don't. That I, that's what I'm trying to avoid. Well, okay, good. Okay, my point is this: I, I don't want to spend five thousand dollars a year for him to play for some uh, team that he's got to be committed to to play year round for you know at twelve years old. Well, then, then you understand what I'm getting at. That what you have to do. Yep. Okay. And I'll take your advice. All right. I want you, you to know? do it, and here's the deal. I want you to call me back on this show and tell me what happens. Okay? Okay. Next week, I, I expect to hear from you. Okay? Okay. All right, Sean. Thank good you. luck. All right. Well, there, okay. So so here's an issue right here that you guys have to deal with in, in, in the medical side. You've got a kid. His son's six foot one. He's 12 years old. 200 pounds. Okay. Big boy. Yeah. So he's going to get hurt at some point probably good chance of that all right sports he, is sports so it's nature of the business so the confidence part that he, that sean was talking about how does that play in when you guys are dealing with young athletes with their with their treatment of injuries well uh, again we don't try to delve into your side of stuff too much the psychological aspect of it but you still but have you, to but you have but to you because have to. you're dealing with that you have to because you're not there all the time right and so you know his confidence is just because people are questioning whether he's doing something right 
or whether he's doing something wrong. And as a 12-year-old, that's a pretty impressionable age to be at, to have adults always questioning whether you're doing something in illegally, immorally, um, against the rules. And so, yeah, you start to question whether or not you're out there. As an athletic trainer, you know, I, I would try to get him focused on what he's trying to accomplish today in the game. Here's what you need to be concerned about. Here's what you need to start thinking about. You need to block these other distractions out of your mind. And this is what we need for you to accomplish today. And set your mind at that and quit worrying about what's happening up in the bleachers. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Joining me this morning in studio are Craig Kloss and Doug Wiesner, athletic trainer and physical therapist who've worked in town for over th- almost 40 years working at all levels of sports, professional, collegiate, amateur, high school, youth sports levels. If you are a parent right now and your son or daughter has an athletic injury or you're worried about them getting injured in their sport, great opportunity to call up and ask them a question. Our number is 913-3810-810. If you are a coach and you question sometimes how hard you push your kids, should you push them to do certain things, where do you go to a point where maybe you're hurting them physically and psychologically? Great opportunity to ask through the experts as well as myself. 913-3810-810 is our number. So, you know, that was an interesting question that, that he brought up, an interesting topic. Right. So, Craig, you're working at the high school level at Rockhurst with their soccer team. You've got some kids on that team probably who are really talented, and you probably have some kids on the team who aren't that good. Okay, you're at the games. I know the games haven't started yet for the fall since it's early August, but... I'm sure you hear parents in the stands, okay? And how does that affect your smile? How does that affect the kids? Tell us. Well, I couldn't agree more with Doug. Is you just get the athlete focused on the task at hand and relate to the field and quit worrying about the bleachers. And we've, you know, we're uh, fortunate, Rockhurst High School varsity soccer, because through the years, the head coach Chris Lawson and his capable assistant Mike Wickenheiser they have educated parents on what they're doing and they really do keep them informed and parents can call the coach and ask well why isn't my son not playing or etc and uh, in that environment I think just like Doug has said it's education to parents and what the coach is doing and Chris Lawson uh, coach Lawson and coach Wickenheiser are very upfront with the parents and, you know, at times I've heard him say, you know, your your son's just not good enough at this point in time. And he, he might be a sophomore and the parent thinks he should be starting varsity, which is unusual. And um, coaches, um, again, I work with Coach Lawson and Coach Wickenheiser. They have understood that maybe this athlete is good, as Doug says, at the club level, uh, which I think a lot of the problems come from at least in the soccer. But then they hit reality with uh, two competent coaches, and they'll tell the parent exactly that. They'll just be honest with them. All right, let's go back to the phones. Let's see what Chuck has to say. Chuck, good morning, sir. How are you? Hello? Yeah, you're on the air, Chuck. Go ahead. Yeah, I was uh, wondering. I have a great niece that uh, pitches competitive league softball, and she, as a matter of fact, she was uh, – I believe the number one pitcher for a 5A school this past year as a freshman. So she's like 15 years old. And here a couple weekends ago, she she pitched every pitch 
in a weekend tournament six or seven games. I was just wondering what if you guys thought that was hard at all. Well, we'll let Doug answer that. Well, I can answer that firsthand because my daughter was the same way. She was a competitive softball pitcher. And, uh, no, I don't, you know, as as an athletic trainer, as a parent, I don't think that that's a good situation. Um, I understand the competitiveness uh, of the environment and what have you. But, again, you are reproducing a movement pattern through your great niece's body that's going to, whether it's her, you know, and all the studies say, oh, this underhand throwing is not as hard on the shoulder, but it's hard on the elbow, it's hard on the wrist. When you start looking at the way they've got to spin the ball and what have you, um, and a uh, six to seven game, she's probably throwing probably 800 to 900 pitches, and that's not even warming up um, um, throughout the weekend. So those repetitive motions, whether it's through the ankle, through the knee, through the hip, through the back, are going to start catching up to her. You know, she got through this weekend, and um, she didn't have any problems with it at 15 years of age. But what's that doing to her body at 35 years of age? Where where do we take a look at that, and how do we determine that at 35 years of age, the reason why she's having um, knee arthroscopies and, and issues like that aren't a result of what she did when she was 15 years old. So you have to be very, very careful about what you're doing with these young, growing bodies and the stress loads that you're putting on them. So let me let me ask, Chuck, let me ask you this question, have Doug respond to it as well. All right, if the coach, if the parents don't want her pitching that much, I'm sure she'll go out there and do it because she probably wants to. But if the parents say there's a limit to how much she's going to throw, Will the coach listen to that, or will he say, you know, I'm the coach, let me do it? I, I really couldn't answer that uh, one way or the other because I, I'm not familiar with the coach. Uh, I know, I just don't think the, the mother never, uh, my niece, she never uh, played sports. So her knowledge of it is fairly limited. She's just excited that her girls are good. Right. She's she's excited that they're good and she's having a great time watching watching right. them uh, play. And your great niece is, uh, hey, I'm going to do it for the team. Uh, I was just over in Lawrence at uh, Junior Olympic Track and Fields and all the runners that came off and didn't finish in first place thought that they'd let their team down. And so um, there's that there's that team element where the where all of a sudden we're saying you've got to take it for the team you've got to do this for the team you've got to do that for the team and that's starting at eight years of age that's starting at ten years of age twelve years of age and all of a sudden we have this mentality of I don't care how bad it hurts I got to go out there and do this for the team well that's a that's a bad mentality for us to put our young athletes into right now. They need to be telling us when they're hurting so that we can do the proper things medically for them so that they don't have these issues at 35 years of age. And so, um, you know, it's it's a tough situation to be in as an athletic trainer and a father of a competitive pitcher. They never questioned me. When I said, you know, my daughter can't pitch today, they went, okay, well, this guy knows what he's talking about. I guess I'm not going to push his buttons and get her to pitch today so uh, well that's that's you, you, 
in your situation, yeah, it's different. To, yeah. It's different in my situation, but for the general moms and dads, it's it's a tough environment. All right, let's see what Dennis has to say. Dennis, good morning. How are you, sir? Good morning. Uh, my question was, and I came in a little late, is throughout the year, and um, how do you keep these kids, uh, you know, fit and, and ready to go um, for their sports and what they do um, in a training sense? And that could be like, you know, running and all of the, all the things you do, weights, all those kinds of things. Craig, we'll let, okay, thank you very much. Craig, you, we'll let you take that one. Well, I think it also depends on the sport um, is how much you're going to do. I know there's regulations just about every uh, youth sports as far as number of pitches thrown. Um, as far as relating it to soccer, we closely monitor uh, everyone as far as how they're feeling and we instruct them on nutrition, which I think is very, very important and very much overlooked, especially at the high school age. And the programs that uh, Coach Lawson and Coach Wickenheiser have have been developed, have been tweaked every year. We talk about them. Uh, of course, there's you know plenty of water breaks, et cetera. But you know you have to look at your schedule, and um, you know like a professional baseball pitcher will pitch on day one take day two off, start doing some light weights, and then start doing some throwing and, and lead back up to it. So, uh, unfortunately, there's not one specific answer. You have to look at sports, and you have to really know that the coach understands the progression back f- from starting one game to the other. All right. Before we wrap things up here, I have a question for both of you. It's something I, I delve into on this show almost weekly. Are we pushing kids into organized sports activities leagues and competitions at too young of an age a and b what is the age that they should get involved in organized sports activities and then start playing at a competitive level craig we'll start with you then go to doug well i I, you know i think there's i don't think there's one silver bullet answer there but at the same and i'm not going to dodge the question but i do i do think an age of when you uh somewhere maybe middle school and not before that, 7th and 8th grade. So you can prepare to go to high school with your team organized sports. I think up to that point in time, the specialty uh, of one sport is not the way to go. And we talked about that. But I do think somewhere you can start to maybe 7th and 8th grade to prepare for high school. Should we have competitive leagues for 4- and 5-year-olds? I, in my opinion, no. I think it should be all be fun. But I'd like to hear what my colleague who's got – a heck of a lot more experience with that. Doug? So the answer to your first question is yes, we are pushing them into a competitive environment more and more. Um, the second um, question is when should that happen? I, I think that through their middle school ages, they should be exposed to as many athletic events, competitions, um, and not specializing at all. By the time they get into... The high school, if they've decided, and and, and they're young adults by then, they can start making some decisions. They've decided, hey, I just want to do this. Then I think that that's a a good time for them to get going. When you have an athlete who comes in to see either of you, younger than six, with some kind of an injury that looks like an overuse injury, what do you tell the parents? Well, my reputation precedes me. 
<laughs> yeah, <Okay>. yeah. Charge. <laughs> we won't get into that. But what bull, bull in a china yeah. closet? <laughs> yeah. No, uh, but what do you? I, and I can imagine. But what do you tell them? I, I, I just say I think what you're doing is detrimental to your child, and you ought to take a step back here and relook at this. And I'm in there with the child, um, and if there, if there's any child up to about, oh, well, even I don't care, high school age or, or what, I always tell the the young. Um, athlete you know i bring the parent in the room and i and i'm the, i'm very transparent so uh, i think when you get someone six or, or around that age you just got to say as doug has done a great job on this program today of saying the effects you're doing a six-year-old will come back to haunt you at 26 okay so we're going to wrap things up with this and this is a question that i'm going to ask both of you and i'm 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 dead serious with it <laughs> okay I've I've mentioned this Try on this last. <laughs> I've mentioned this on this show for a long time. I think we are on the path for competitive leagues for pregnant women. Quickly, do you agree or disagree? Um, no. Craig, from what I know, not necessarily. But at the same time, there's a lot of pregnant women who are very fit, and you can. And there's a lot of people who are running the week before they they have a child. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'm here every Sunday from 7 to 8 a.m. I want to thank Doug Wiesner, Craig Kloss for coming in. Doug, quickly, your phone number, Craig, your phone number if people want to get a hold of you. 913-574-1908. 913-461-3982. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. We're every Sunday morning from 7 to 8 a.m. You can get me at my website, winnersunlimited.com. Follow me on Twitter at drjsportspsych. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next Sunday on The Leader in Sports, Sports Radio 10, WHB.